Hey, After Buzzers, before we move on to your next topic, we just want to say thanks to our sponsor, Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. Plus, there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Also, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. Plus, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started. I'm Maria Menunos, and you're tuned in to AfterBuzz TV, the ESPN of TV talk. Now, let the buzz begin. Uh-oh. The music, the music. I miss the music. Guys, <laughs> welcome back to Station 19, AfterBuzz TV, After Show. I am... I have notes and notes and notes. There's so much happened this episode. I'm on your host. Linda Entry, and I'm joined by the lovely Sahai. Sahai, what's up? How are you? Girl, I'm in, in shock. All this drama in this episode. It was a lot. It was a lot to unpack. It really, really, really was. Like, normally I multitask when I'm watching TV. I had to, like, be focused because every second something was happening. I was like, oh, okay, wait. Let me just focus on what's going on right now. Uh, let's just jump in. Uh, we open with Vic. Uh, she's in the theater. It's a flashback. She's really emotional because her grandma died and her parents kind of just went back to work. So she felt like she should go, quote unquote, back to work and back to the theater. Um, and her director coaches her that use that emotion for what you're, what you're great at. You're great at this. So, so channel that. And I just thought, how hard is that? You know what I mean? Like, um, without getting too personal, like I've had a passing in the last couple of years and I still think like I needed a lot of time to get over it. What did yeah. you think? Yeah. You know, um, my, my grandmother is, I'm very close with her and she lives in Florida. So any stories with grandmothers always hit home for me. And it was interesting because Vic, when she said that her parents went back to work, I wasn't sure if she was saying that she felt that they went back to work too quickly. So therefore forcing her to kind of move on with her, her regular uh, activities. Um, but it, it was so sad to see her still hurting because we saw how close they were. Yeah, absolutely. And then we see Vic, Travis and Jackson. Um, and Vic and Travis are walking in. They had like a walk-in. This woman got a hairbrush stuck in her vagina. Uh, and she kind of said that she fell into it. And Ben was like, Ben and Jackson were both like, yeah, they always say that. And then Vic was all flustered because Jackson was there. She didn't know that he was there. And so it was like an interesting dynamic between the two, because what we learn a little bit later is that she's still sleeping with him. So there's that flirtatious, you know, close energy that we didn't know about as fans, but you know, she kind of threw it out there. Um, we also find out from Ben that the PRT team needs a driver. And Maya is still putting Emmett on punishment, who, who just came off of a midnight shift, but it was death duty because, you know, he was a coward last week. So she's still punishing him. So she's like, there's your driver right there. Uh, what did you think of that whole thing? You know, we saw the beginnings of Emmett having troubles in this episode, but yeah, this whole uh, Vic and Jackson's like reconnection is like, when did that happen? And I, I was kind of waiting for more information on it, but we really didn't get it. But 
Um, obviously the feelings are still there and something's still going on between the two of them. For real, for real. Uh, then we see Vic and Travis and I love their relationship because they really are like besties. Um, she calls Travis out because she sees him kind of uh, googly-eyeing with Emma and she's like, oh, you slept with him. And he, he denied, 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 and finally he came clean. But then he's like, yeah, and I see the flirtation going on with you and Jackson. You slept with him. And she's like, yeah, I did something bad. And she, they, it was funny because the way they questioned each other, like, why are our, all our friends the people that we work with? And why do we sleep with the people that we work with? It's because we're always at work. So those are the people that are available to you. And I just thought that that is so funny and so true. Uh, yeah, I guess so. It reminded me of Grey's because that's what all the doctors there do, you know, they get into relationships with each other. So the same thing is happening. I don't know if I've dated a coworker. Actually, I have now that I think about it. (laughs) Everyone has. If you try to avoid it, but I, I, I may have said this before. I think people you work with know you better than, than like sometimes your family because they see you in a totally different way. So you get really close when you're you're going through the trenches together. And not just that, if you think about, I mean, as a creative, we don't have a typical nine to five, but I'm gonna use a nine to five as an example. If you work a nine to five and you work 40 hours a week, you're spending 40 hours a week. That's why people talk about like work husbands and work wives, spending mm-hmm. a lot more time at work than you are at home. Cause at home you're doing like chores, you're like, hanging out with the family you maybe have your weekends off and all of that but the majority of your time is spent with you know these people and they they learn your ins and outs they learn when you're upset they learn when you're having a bad day when you have a great day all that stuff and so it's not surprising that and I can't remember where I, I heard this but a lot of people meet their spouses at work because they just interact with them so often right that makes sense yeah. Uh, then we see Travis, Dick, and Sullivan. And, you know, Travis and Vic are off. It's their off day, but Sullivan kind of throws some work at them. Uh, he wants them to do some inspection. And she's like, oh, so you want to spend time with your wife, so you want to throw this at us because, like, we're your subordinate? And he, he looked her dead in her face, and he was like, yeah. And she's, like, oh. she's like, okay, Captain. <laughs> We like overtime, we like money, but really she didn't want to do it. But again, that's her boss. Yeah, but his drama in his personal life is now spilling over to them. And we saw how it had some interesting uh, results. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, We see Andy and Jack and Jack tries to talk to Andy and Andy's kind of like not having it. She realizes that she has to go and deal with her dad's estate and pack up his house with Sullivan. And she was just not really trying to hear Jack and Jack was really um, concerned about her. Uh, and then we flash forward to Jack and Dean. A woman comes in with blood and dirt all over her and, and she's like, I think I killed him. She doesn't know exactly what, like she's not be- making sense at, in the beginning. We find out her name is Darcy. She took a knife that her mom gave her a pocket knife that her mom gave her when she moved to the city um, and didn't think that she would ever have to use it. She goes jogging in the park in the middle of the day that, that, that she thinks she's safe. And a guy comes out of the bushes, 
grabs her by her ponytail and pulls her in the bushes and rapes her. Um, and, and we can infer that she pulled her, her pocket knife and kept stabbing him to survive. And it was just such a um, surreal moment. And it was surreal for me because she was in shock and she couldn't really verbalize all the feelings. I can only imagine the feelings and, and the drama of that. And she portrayed that really well. Do you think so? Yeah. At first, I didn't know what happened to her. I was like, why is this woman walking up with all this blood? I thought it was going to be some type of you know, uh, mass incident with a bunch of people the way she had so much blood on her. Um, but to know that she was attacked in the park while, while running during the day, as she said, and, and having to use, you know, uh, an item that her mother gave her out of, you know, you know how moms are, they, they, yeah. they, th- they're thinking ahead because they, they always think, you know, just in case, or what if the worst happens, I want you to be prepared. And sometimes as their children, we're like, ah, I'll never need to use that. And here, here it is. It's the thing that protected her. So um, it was a crazy, crazy uh, scenario. So that's in that same breath, we get the PRT nine one one call, and the PRT team and uh, the nine one one responders respond to a man that's laying down the park. Park, he's losing blood. They know that he's stabbed. Uh, he's lost over forty percent of the blood in his body. His pressure is dropping. We see that it's Ben and Jackson who are the primaries on the PRT team. Um, and then they're trying to work it out, trying to figure out like where the blood is and how they can stop the blood and all of this stuff. We see this random woman get into the front seat with Emmett because Emmett is trying to find the quickest route to Gray Sloan. Um, and she pulls the gun on him and says, drive. And he's driving like crazy fast. He's fearful. Um, he, I noticed that in that moment, he wasn't really trying to talk her down. Like he froze, um, which is a natural response like the whole flight um or fleet flight or fleet is that flight or fight 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 or or flight flight. (laughs) fight or flight scenario and he really was not a fighter and and we saw that throughout the episode um and we also saw last week how I want to say like he's a bit of a coward because he didn't want to go back into the burning building and save those people and that really said a lot about who he was and we'll get to it when we get to it but uh we learned a lot about his experience as a firefighter why he is a firefighter um so they're driving crazy fast um and then we find out that the junkie wants him to pull over so they pull over we see that she's a bent his head and she wants all the pain pills meanwhile they're trying to save this dying man um hands in his body and Ben calm under pressure was like let me have two more minutes let me do this I'll give you the code uh I'll give it to like to Emmett to to open it and I just thought like Ben and Jackson are so used to pressure that they didn't even sweat even when Jackson got shot and so I blame Emmett because Emmett goes to get on to the rig and he falls and he stumbles and he he like startles the druggie and so she shoots the gun because her hand is already on the trigger and hence Jackson gets shot. Did you feel the same way or is that just me? No, you could see how different Ben and Jackson um, handled the situation in comparison to Emmett 
who, you know, like you said, they were calm, cool, and collected. Um, even even the drug addict lady was a bit more calm than Emmett. Like everybody else was calm except Emmett. Um, that woman who played that drug addict, she did an amazing job. She was very convincing. And at first I didn't know what was wrong with her. She just looked pale. I thought she, you know, was connected to the rapist guy somehow. And that's why she was in the van. I didn't realize it was going to be a whole different like storyline with her. Um, so that when she, her face, when she got those drugs, after Emmett finally opened up the, the state, the security box, um, it was, um, it was amazing to see her shift that way to go from frantic to like happy. And then suddenly her life was over, girl. Yeah. Um, uh, just a little bit. I don't actually know the actress's name. I should have probably looked it up, but, uh, I'm an avid law and order. SCU mm. fan mm-hmm. and she uh the last not last but in the last like I want to say two three months she was on an episode of Law and Order SCU and she played the daughter of like a cult leader and that same intensity that she brought to this character here she had there and I was like oh that's why she's memorable she she does a great job in like these dramatic crazy situations yeah um so i thought that that was great so yeah she gets the drug she's super happy and you can see that she's elated she thinks that her plan um went well and i also felt like she portrayed and again i don't know but just from what i saw that she portrayed like the manicness that i think that drugs bring to you and she was able to switch it from like being irrational and, and basically saying like, I don't care if I kill all four of you, it's all about the drugs. And then actually getting access to the drugs and literally being elated and just grabbing everything that she thought she needed and jumps off the rig. And because she's not thinking, cause she thinks she got away with it, boom, she gets hit by a, a truck, like a utility truck. And we don't know if she's dead at that moment, but it was, it was a harsh impact. Um, and at the same time, the rapist who they're trying to save dies in the PRT van. And I just thought that that was a very powerful moment. Yeah, everything was happening all at once. Also, what I found interesting is that Ben, when he was trying to calm her down, he was like, I understand it's the addiction, it's not you. Mm-hmm. And now that I think back about Sullivan, Sullivan could have easily been that girl. Like, had he kept on doing those drugs? You yes. know what I'm saying? It, yeah, you're right. It was, it was kind of like a cautionary tale of, of what it could have led to. And I think that's what, having just dealt with Sullivan, I think that's why he was able to be, instead of being angry with her, he was a bit more compassionate in, in trying to calm her down. Absolutely. Uh, then Ben, we see Ben uh, tell Emmett to radio to dispatch. And again, we see Emmett ha- in the midst of his breakdown, meltdown, and he can't do it. And Jackson sees this because he's like trying to call. He doesn't know what he's going to say. Jackson's like, let me do it. He takes over. He's very decisive and concise about what exactly it is that they need and what exactly it is that happened. Um, and then call time of death. And I'm still not sure. And guys, if you're in the comments, if you're watching us live, whatever the case may be, but uh, they call time of death and they say 15, 15 times two. And I, I feel like in Shondaland, there's no coincidences and mm. that means something. And I'm trying to figure out what that means. Mm. Uh, yeah, because 
if you guys know, this is the episode is titled Bad Guy and it's season three, episode 15. And these people happen to die at 1515. I don't know. I don't know. Um, Somebody in the comments said, Simply Simone said, she got Regina Georged. That's so, oh, and the actress's name is Rebecca Kennedy. Thank you, guys. Thank you, thank you, guys. So Rebecca Kennedy, a great actress. Uh, so Emma has a breakdown. It's too much for him. He said, uh, "Dad wanted this. He didn't want this. He didn't even pass the written test, which says a lot about uh, Chief Dixon." Um, and then he kept saying, "I'm not a firefighter. I'm not a firefighter." And he talks about like all the emergencies that he went to that he just is not okay with. And I thought, wow, like speak your truth. You know what I mean? Speak your truth. You want, you're an art major. Exactly. And, and your dad is using you for political reasons and you can't deal and, and you can't deal in life and death situations where people will die if you do not respond as a first responder. It's incredible. Yeah, I mean, like you said, Emmett is an artist by nature, so he ha- he has a different sensitivity. I think he does have strength to do the job if he really wanted to, but I think he, he he's not there yet, and I don't know if he'll ever get there. Uh, someone in the comments said, do you think we'll see, Blue Shadow said, do you think we'll continue to see Emmett in season four? And if so, how? Uh, I'm not sure, and I'm not sure if you're touching on this in news and gossip, but uh, he went live with Maya yesterday on Station 19 that did a takeover, mm-hmm. and they talked a little bit about it. Are you going to be talking about that in news and gossip? Not that. She did three, she did four lives yesterday, so I'm not talking about his. I'm going to talk about another one, though. Okay. With a fan. Her, uh, her okay, live with her so, fan. So he says, basically, that he doesn't know what's going to happen next season. So he doesn't say like, hey, I'm going to be there next season, but he doesn't say he's not going to be there next season. Uh-huh. Aha. The cliffhanger. Cliffhanger. Uh, Andy and Sullivan. So we see Andy and Sullivan show up at Pruitt's house. Uh, they're packing up his stuff and she finds out that he saved everything. Um, she is five years old or she's in the sixth grade. We find out that she has a cousin, Michelle, that was like her sister. And she remembers, hey, I haven't thought about her in 20, 30, however old she is, supposed to be years, uh, ever since her mom died. And she also realized that she had an Aunt Sandra that she hasn't seen since her mom passed. And why is that? And then fast forward, we see that there are a bunch of cards over the years from 5 to 15 that Andy said that she never saw that her dad uh, kept from her. Um, and then she talks about how he was controlling. She talks about how she thinks that perhaps maybe the happy family that she thought they were, they were because she finds this picture where she thinks that her mom looks miserable. Um, and so she's in full on detective mode. And I just thought, what did you think in that moment? Did you think like, is that the way you you everyone responds to grief differently but is that a way that you would have responded where you're like now that your dad has passed you have all these questions that you never asked while he was alive I think we've seen from Andy that work is always like her safe space so now she's thrown herself not necessarily into firefighting but into this 
research into her history. You know, she's also an only child, so or so we think, because uh, this this cousin could totally end up being a sister somehow. But she doesn't have anyone to bounce things off of. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Think about a, the passing of a relative, especially your dad. You she doesn't have. It doesn't seem like any uncles. She had to end up calling like you know, her dad's former friend and coworker for some, trying to get information from him. So she doesn't really have anywhere to go to get the details. So yeah. she's just throwing herself into this, this research on her own. So um, it's not how I probably would have handled it. I probably would still be crying, but we see that Andy's, you know, she's a different, different kind of woman and uh, she needs to be doing something. She can't stand uh, still for too long. Yeah, you're right. Uh, we go and see Travis and Vic on an inspection. Uh, the business owner wants nothing to do with it. He's like, I've already been approved. Kind of actually, like he's too busy and way above them. Uh, and then he said, and then they were like, well, our boss sent us. And he is like, well, you need to speak to your boss's boss because he's a friend of mine and we're good. So we know that Vic then calls Sullivan down um, and explains that the guy says that they're approved. And in that moment, I realized, like we talked about last week, Dixon has Sullivan on this quid pro quo. Like he said, you owe me and this is what we're going to do. And I saw the first hint of corruption happening. I saw the first hint of him using his job for a political game. And I was like, oh, here we go. Yeah, that situation, it escalated so quickly. I didn't realize Dixon was going to start calling and, you know, these, these or demanding these things from Sullivan so soon. Yeah. But also the guy, the, the business owner was hella rude. I was like, excuse you. But it, it was scary to see that he has people all over the city, kind of these deals. So you don't know how far his uh, influence goes, you know what I'm saying? So, and the fact that uh, it starts with these businesses and Vic, you know, said to Sullivan, hey, this is bigger than you think. It, it made you realize that this is a huge problem. Absolutely. Uh, and then we get into the next flashback and it's the fire inspection of the theater community college that Vic is performing at. And uh, we find out that it's Pruitt is the one that's doing the inspection. And he has a bunch of issues with the place and tells the director that he needs to like do the fire curtain. The stage has to not be blocking stuff, all of this stuff. And we see the director promise to make the changes. Um, and then we flash forward to Maya and DeLuca. And I think that this is a really important uh, scene in the episode. So. Uh, we flash forward to them. They're having sex, daytime sex. They talk about how having orgasm in the daylight is like the best. And Luca did a study on that. And it's true. Um, and then she asks about Maya's mom and says, your mom, like, how's your mom doing? And Maya's like, basically, I don't know. Uh, and Delisa's like, well, she's your mom and she's hurting. You should probably reach out to her. And Miles like, well, that's not my problem. If she wants to blow up her life, that's her issue. Um, and then Delisa says, well, there could be some truth in what your mom is saying. And Maya's just not trying to have it. So she jumps out of bed. We flash forward to her cooking 
and she's like angry chopping and Deluca tries to approach her again and talks about her own experience about her dad being bipolar and her brother now just starting to be diagnosed with uh, bipolar um, and talks about how the human brain is brilliant, which I thought was a great line. And oftentimes it walls off what it doesn't want to know. And then she talks about how abuse is, comes in different forms. And Maya lashes out and says, well, my dad never hit me. And Deluca is like, well, it's not just about physical abuse. There's emotional abuse, there's verbal abuse, there's psychological abuse, and those are all real. And so your dad didn't necessarily have to lay a hand on you for you to be the victim of abuse. And Maya was not trying to hear that. She freaked out. She's like kicking DeLuca out. DeLuca's like, no, I'm not staying. I'm, I'm not going. I'm staying. I'm here for you. And what does Maya do? She, she takes off and she's like, I'm going for a run. What were your thoughts from that? DeLuca is such a healthy person emotionally. Like when Maya said, I need, want you to leave. And she said, no, I'm going to stay. I was like, whoa, that takes a lot of strength and a lot of love for the person. Because me personally, I would have left because I would have been like, okay, I need you to calm down. Then we can talk. But she was really trying to push through. I think maybe it's easier for her because of her experience with her father and her brother. And also because she is a doctor. So she, I think she was looking at it um, from a personal and professional level. But the fact that uh, Maya was lashing out like that, it immediately shows you that there is an issue there that she needs to deal with. Absolutely. Uh, we then see that Maya goes on a run. She ends up at the station. She's skipping. Andy comes in, and Andy's looking for uh, old files from the firehouse. Uh, and, tell, and Andy's questioning her, like, why? Like, why are you doing this? What are you thinking? And uh, Andy says that she thinks her mar- parents' marriage was miserable. Uh, she thinks that her dad was controlling. She thinks that her dad kept her away from her mom's side of the family. And you could see that it triggered Maya in that moment. And she said, well, maybe he was controlling because he loved you. And you won the lottery of dads. And I'm not going to allow you to tear my captain, his legacy down. You basically need to like suck this up and realize that you had a great dad, unlike some. And I was like, wow. So we see through the episode how much Maya's lashing out. To me, she's lashed, she lashed out on DeLuca and, and she's lashing out now on Andy because all of the things that they're saying to her are triggering her. Did you feel the same way? Yeah, and, and she's being called out on things that are, have been probably laying dormant. And, you know, she's been focused on the Olympics. She's been focused on, on you know, becoming chief. So she hasn't had to think about this in a long time. So, and then it's not nice when people point out your flaws to you, you know, like as an adult, we kind of think we know ourselves very well, but when there's something that is pointed out to you that you didn't recognize, it's a little embarrassing. And she had three people in one day point out this thing to her. So she, she was having a tough time. Absolutely. And it's also, it's also hard when you're not ready to hear it, right? Mm -hmm. You're not ready to hear it and you're in denial. Uh, we see Travis and Vic drinking after their day of inspection. Um, and Vic basically asks Travis if she feels that Sullivan uh, is corrupt. And she realizes that 
there's like a permit approval for political gain going on there. And they have this like back and forth, back and forth about what they're going to, what should be done. Um, she asked Travis if, are you in love with the, with the corrupt fire chief's son? And he's like, no, I'm not in love with him, but we're friends that can't stop having sex. And I was like, mm, you love him. You think so? I do. I never, I didn't take it to the love level yet. It, 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 uh, but there is something definitely there because you saw who Emmett ran to when he made his decision. I think that Travis loves him. Really do. Uh, Vic jumps up and says, I'm going to talk to Selvin. I'm going to confront him. Um, and she does. And she says, you could be signing the death warrant uh, for many people. And she, he talk, she talks about how people die in plane crashes. They give you like the warning. And it actually hit me because I travel a lot. Oh, pre-world shutdown, I, I travel a lot. And I am one of those people that I've heard this like a million times, so I tune out of the safety um, message that they put in every plane before you take off, right? And I just, I don't pay attention to that. Yeah, I am that person. And, I'm, and I don't know, it just, it stuck me like, oh yeah, you do think that you're invincible and you do think that, hey, I'm not gonna be the person that dies in a plane crash. And then when she talked about, like, I think it was the number was like 247 people died in the plane crash this year. And then when Sullivan said, my parents died in a plane crash and he was out, I was like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Poor Vic is always getting herself in some kind of trouble. Um, you know, but it, it, it was interesting to me. I was like, how does she even know that number, that specific number of how many people have died in a plane crash? Um, it shows you how you think you know someone, but you don't know everything. So she learned about more information about the chief uh, in that moment. And she was coming from a good place, but the delivery uh, did not sit well with him. And uh, she had to just go kind of shrinking back. And that was not what she wanted to happen at all. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we then see uh, Andy kind of frantic. I don't want to say she was frantic, but she was definitely consistently calling her Aunt Sandra, like, hang up, didn't answer, call again, hang up, didn't answer, call again, um, which I felt was a little bit manic because, like, you just called five seconds ago. You know what I mean? And yeah. you haven't talked to this woman in over 20 years. So she probably doesn't know who the hell's calling her all these times. But mm-hmm. I, I get your sense of urgency. We get back to a flashback and we see that Vic is performing. Um, and then a fire erupts. And Cooper, the director, uh, gets caught in the fire. And it was a hard thing to watch. And we see that Pruitt is back. And Pruitt is the one that kind of saves Vic and protects her from seeing her director dying uh and we also know that she just dealt with her grandmother dying so she was in a vulnerable state um and she talks about how they were there they told the director you need to take these things down you need to move these things around and the director promised to do it and he didn't do it and then he died because of it and i just thought that that was a powerful moment as well 
Yeah, that director, you know, when I saw him go back after helping everyone get out and start pushing that darn piano, I was like, this man just never listens. Um, But what I also loved about this storyline is that to see that Pruitt is the one that helped uh, Vic become a firefighter, just Mm -hmm. like he helped Dean. Like, you know, it was a a personal situation that brought them together and now they're all together. So I I thought that was, you know, Pruitt is gone, but he's never forgotten. Absolutely. Uh, We see Dean and Jack at the hospital and Dean verbally forgives Jack for sleeping with Cooper's wife. And Jack was like, well, I thought that you had already forgiven me. He's like, well, no, I really needed to tell you. He's like, you know, I'm a dad now and things are as black and white as they were for me before, which I thought was interesting. Um, And then he talked about how his baby mama left. So the birth mom left and the toll that it takes on your heart. And because we know that Jack was, grew up in the foster system, that that was hard for him and hard for his heart. But he, Dean also sees how Jack is trying to work on himself by going to therapy and better himself and get through his trauma. And I could see in the back of Dean's mind, he was like, I don't want my daughter to have the same trauma. So like, how do I work this out? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting because he um, has people around to help her, but you know, it it still can affect you no matter what, you know, you see people who even get adopted and they still think about their, 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 their parents, their uh, birth parents, their birth parents. So uh, you'd never know, but hopefully the tribe of the station 19 family will help Prue as much as they can. But uh, also, did you catch how um, Dean uh, apparently has seen Miss Sasha, who I assume is the earring girl from last week? Jack was like, oh, are you going to see Sasha? And he was like, oh, I don't think we have daytime privileges yet. Oh, I didn't actually think I caught that. Mm-hmm. So he's, he's slowly moving on in a way. But uh, as we see, he's still not totally over a bit. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we see Jack and Maya. And um, Jack comes into her office. And says, hey, Warren and Avery were shot on the PRT. Thought you should know. Um, And he wanted to talk about Andy and Andy marrying Sullivan within weeks and that she's grieving and needed to do something about it because we're her best friends. And again, we see Maya lashing out, saying that everyone needs therapy, Jack, and kind of throws that in his face after we find out that he told her in the, like, boss, employee situation rather than just friends like hey I'm working on myself I'm going to to therapy um and then she talks about how DeLuca wants her to admit that she has an issue but she doesn't have an issue and she's tired of people telling her that she has an issue because she just really feel like that she doesn't and I feel like she's really deep in denial um, and then Jack just like lays into her and says, anyone that knows the real Maya, uh, you feel threatened and you freeze them out. And he's like, does DeLuca know this is exactly what's going to happen to her because you did it to me? Um, and then he says, you're broken, Maya. And when he says that, she jumps on him, starts making out with him. They end up having sex. And she literally says, and realizes that she's broken in that moment. 
it threw me off when she jumped on him and started and they started having sex I was like what is going on here but she it's like she would do anything to avoid talking about um her her emotional issues with her dad and um she'll she'll or she'll she'll do anything to avoid that and to hear anyone tell her anything about it but it's funny because here it is Maya's going through kind of a mental health issue and it looks like Andy is starting to go through a mental health issue as well. So we see that like reoccurring theme throughout this episode. Absolutely. And, and building off of that, uh, we see Sullivan call Ben and tell him that Andy's unraveling. Um, we see that Sullivan sees Andy kind of being manic and says, Hey, you know, maybe you need to take a, pills and like go to sleep and like sleep this off because you're coming unraveled and she digs at him and says I don't solve my problems with drugs and she kind of is like I am tired of the men in my life telling me what I need to do and she talks about how her dad blocked her for being a captain two times hid cancer from her her two times and now her husband is telling her what he thinks that she needs to do and she just kind of lost it um, and then we see that Sullivan calls Ben and, ben, and, and Sullivan is all frantic because he's saying that he's being blackmailed by Dixon and it's all Ben's fault. And, you know, Andy's falling apart. So I'm trying to deal with that. And Ben is basically like, you brought this upon yourself. You did this. You need to deal with it and you need to man up. And if you allow Dixon to blackmail you, then you're no you're no better than he is. Yeah, it seemed like it was so funny because here it is Sullivan is this like huge, tall, big man, and he can be tough. But in that car, he seemed like he wanted to do whatever it took to just like get Dixon off his back and just to make the problem go away. It, it was an interesting way to to see him because I'd never seen we don't really see him that frazzled. Yeah. I think also the fact that Vic called him out uh, added to the stress of the issue because then more people were finding out about what was going on. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Uh, we see Vic and Dean. So uh, we see them at the house and talk about how Pruitt brought both of them into firefighting. And we know both of their stories are, like you said, individual personal stories. And then Jack shows up and Jack, and we know that Jack just had sex with Maya. So he's feeling some kind of way. And he says that he was feeling blue. So he wanted to see the baby. Um, and we see in this moment how sharp Vic is. Because Vic says, I think Dixon is blackmailing Sullivan uh, into forging inspections, but she doesn't know why. Because she, she doesn't know why, because she doesn't know about the overdose and the cover up of it all. Um, and in this moment, I thought this is the beginning of the end for Dixon, because as we uh, will talk about in a moment, but we know from last week, Ben is like, I'm going to take Dixon down. And now we have Vic figuring out there's something not right. Um, and then Jack is like, hey, I mean, did you, said Dean, did you tell Avery, um, did you tell Vic that Avery got shot? And Dean didn't and you see in that moment that he did it for a reason Avery or excuse me 
Vic storms out because she, you obviously know she's going to go to the hospital and make sure that Avery's okay. And then Jack turns to Dean, looks him in his face and realizes, oh, you have feelings for Vic. And he says, you need to bury it. You need to bury those feelings. What did you think about him saying that? And why do you think he said that? Um, I know earlier in the episode, they referenced, Dean referenced like pushing his feelings down about yeah. something. I forgot what he connected it. It was about his baby mama leaving. Oh, right. So here it is. Another woman that he loves is uh, slipping through his fingers and he's just going to push those feelings down too. But it was shady of him not to tell Vic about Jackson being shot. Hello. He didn't get like a scrape. He got shot with a gun. Like that's yeah. serious. So you can see the extent he will go to kind of keep her with him, which is um, sweet, but also a little ner- makes me a little nervous. Reminds me of uh, the guy from you, Joe from you. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> you'd be a little crazy. But do you think, like, I'm still trying to figure out, and guys, definitely comment below if you're watching us on YouTube. Why do you think Jack specifically told him to bury his feelings for Victoria? Do you think it's because they work together? Do you think it's because they live together? Do you think it's because he knows that they're great friends? Like there's something more because Jack and Dean are besties. So there's something more that he knows that he feels like Dean shouldn't pursue Victoria. And that's the part that I want to know about. I think it's, I picked it up as uh, him knowing Dean's personality and all the things that he's dealing with right now. And that's one less thing. I think also Jack knowing Vic uh, d- may not think that they'd be a good pair and may and Jack probably knows like, Hey, she really loves Jackson. So you don't need to bark up that tree. Mm-hmm. And uh, also, hello, Jack is the one coming off a whole affair, like with a coworker type situation. So he may be a little gun shy of office romances at this yeah. point. <laughs> and I thought of that. Yeah. He slept with Cooper's wife, which brings us right back to uh, uh, Maya and DeLuca. So Maya comes home after a long day and guess what? Delic is still sitting there waiting for her and says, I see you pushing away. And she's like, yeah, I want my space. I thought you'd be gone by now. Um, And she's like, I'm not going anywhere. Basically, I'm here for you. And what does Maya do? She throws the dagger and says, you know what? I just slept with Jack. So why don't you be mad about that? and storms out of the room. And I was like, wow, that right there was the worst. And so not really manipulative, like you purposely are trying to hurt her so that she will walk away. And I just thought like, hurt people hurt people. You hear that all the time and and it's true. But it's so sad, even though it's true, you know, they say you hurt the ones that are closest to you or the ones that love you the most. But it, to be on the receiving end of that, I feel so sorry for DeLuca because she was only trying to help and she did not have to. She could have stormed out and left Maya and never talked to her again. Absolutely. But, yet, but here, you know what it is? Here it is. Maya was kind of low-key abusing her in a sense, like, yeah. by, you know, shutting her down, by denying what she's saying was true and now uh, betray- lashing out and betraying her trust. Yeah. 1,000%. Yeah. She doesn't think that she was abused. Mm. And, you know that's that thing and and anyone that's in like the psychology world will talk about this like the abuse 
have to stop the abuse cycle, right? Mm -hmm. Because you, abuse can become the abuser. And, and unless you admit that, then, you know, it can be a whole thing. So we'll see what happens with them. Uh, we see Emmett and Travis. Travis is at the bar and which is funny because this was a small part of the like comic relief that I didn't mention earlier, but when Vic went to talk to Sullivan and he's like, don't go, don't go. And she went, he's like, oh, I tried. Can you, can you, can I have some darts? I cracked up because in this, all this heaviness, that was like a super funny moment to, to me. So we realized that he's standing at the bar. I guess he played some darts and Travis shows, or Emmett shows up, tells him that not only did he quit his job, but he came up to his dad and he went to kiss Travis in public and you could see the pause and him looking around because he had been closeted for so long. He had a fiance, all of this stuff that he was not ready to be 100% open, but he quenched the fear and went in for the kiss. And I thought, wow, look how far you've come. Yeah, and we heard earlier in the episode, um, they didn't make a big announcement, but he broke up with the girlfriend. So he's, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Emmett has uh, been making so many major life changes in a short amount of time. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, fast forward to Sullivan. He throws open the door very dramatically to a meeting with all the fire chief bosses and calls Dixon out and says that he, he, is involved in corruption and he's involved in a cover up. And they are like, how do you know this? And he's like, because, and like, well, what station was it at? It was my station and it was me. And he covered up the whole drugs thing. And I thought this is the moment where they start to try to take Chief Dixon down. So it's gonna be Sullivan, it's gonna be Vic, and it's gonna be Ben to try to take the side down. And uh, an early prediction, I think that Emma is gonna have a part of it too. Mm. Blue, Blue Shadow in the comment says, um, I feel Dixon will blackmail the mayor so he could escape the drug scandal. Mm. Maybe. <laughs> but I do think that it was important that when uh, Emmett was having his meltdown and he confessed to Ben and Avery that he, he didn't even pass the written test. So technically, he's not really a firefighter. I thought that that was a big tell in the whole Dixon uh, takedown. So we'll see what happens. Um, we see Andy, the end. Andy and Snuffy, she wants to know more about her parents. She's asking them, asking him if they were happy. What does he know about their relationship? Um, she needs to know the truth. And he says, like, what are you asking? I, I, like, I'm not sure what you want from me. Uh, and then he says, don't pick at scabs unless you want to bleed. And then she says, what do you mean by this? And he says, it's not my place to stay. Uh, you need to let your, your old man rest in peace. And I was like, oh, so there is a lot more to this story that we don't know. And Andy is following her gut. And I guess her gut is correct. Yeah, I think we are going to find out some very interesting information about Pruitt that uh, will will change our opinions of him a little bit. But overall, he's I know he's a, still a great guy. I mean, he sacrificed himself for his entire crew, so you can't be mad at that. Yeah, I don't want to hear that he is a bad, controlling dude. Oh, but we'll see. We'll see. Uh, do you want to do shout outs or do you want to do news and, news and gossip next? 
let's do shout outs real quick because the live chat is lit. Blue Shadow, Sam Paboon, Chloe Lauder, Emily Sueno, Simply Simone. Uh, thank you guys. Uh, Shy Gabby and Audrey O are in our live chat right now. So thank you. Hi, for your live comments. chat. We appreciate you. Can you please do us a favor? Especially for Station 19, we want to make sure this our after show keeps going. Can you scroll up and like and subscribe to our YouTube channel so that we know that you appreciate what we're doing for you because we're super fans just like you. Uh, make sure to comment every week. We love hearing from you and we definitely reach back out to you. Um, but it's really, really important if we can get your like and subscribe. It's really important for us here at AfterBuzz TV, even when we're filming from home. Definitely, uh, definitely. Well, let's jump into some news and gossip. Yeah. So can you imagine getting the opportunity to speak to one of your favorite cast members from one of your favorite TV shows? Well, that's exactly what happened to a young Georgia-based actor named Miles Webb. Miles got the opportunity to have a whole 30-minute candid conversation with Danielle Sabra, um, I've got to get her last name right, uh, who plays Maya. But Danielle, Danielle asked uh, fans to make a caption on one of her pictures last week. And uh, the actor, uh, Miles, his caption was, when Station 19 gets picked up for three more seasons, but your character dies next week. So that won him 30 minutes to speak with her. They talked about everything from set life. He lives in Georgia, so he gets to act out there. He's been in Bad Boys for Life and Gemini Man. And we learned that Danielle um, started acting at seven. And what she, the advice that she gave this young actor is that what kept her going in the game is having a level head. So before the live ended, Miles actually ended up pitching himself for a small role on Station 19 if they ever need him. So <laughs> I thought that was super cute. Also, it was funny. I went to Miles's um, Instagram page. And he actually had a little fire incident this week where he had to call 911 to notify his local fire department of a, a house fire down the street. So you could see the Station 19 fans are, are, you know, have a little bit of firefighter in them as well. So if you want to check it out, head over to Danielle's Instagram at D-S-A-V-R-E. And you can check out Miles's Instagram at MilesSC underscore web. That's awesome. Really, really awesome. Uh, normally at this time, we do fire facts. Um, and I've suspended some fire facts just because we're in this pandemic. And I know that last week I talked about uh, what are you doing to stay active in um, this pandemic. This week I wanted to talk a little bit about mental health uh, because we see it in this episode specifically with Maya. We see it with Jack. We see it with Andy. And I want to know from you guys, what are you doing to protect your mental health during the shutdown? Definitely let us know in the comments uh, any suggestions that you have. I'm big on self-care. I'm big on uh, being protected outside by wearing my mask, but going walk through walks in my neighborhood, just have the fresh air and that sunlight on me. Um, I haven't done my nails. I thought that that was something that I was going to do that that helps me like relax. But what I have done is a bunch of like face masks. Um, I definitely have done some meditation and I do do a lot of reading and I feel like that that helps me personally. So hi, what helps you with your mental health during this time? Definitely being in control of uh, what I watch, the information that I'm receiving and, and filtering that out. Um, 
having conversations with friends, but not overdoing it. Also, I've been going to, uh, doing a lot of webinars and learning some something new, some a new skill. And at the end of the day, a good nap always helps. So that's been helping me. Absolutely. So guys, definitely let us know in the comments. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. And let's move on to some predictions for next week. Um, you're after TV predictions. Yes. I do you want me to start? Start. Okay. I think um this cousin of Andy's is actually gonna turn out to be her sister. I think we're gonna find out her dad may have had a whole other family that the mama knew about and kind of had to just swallow and take it in order to make everybody think she had a happy marriage. But I think Andy's gonna have a, a rude awakening and but it actually may help her to know that she's not alone anymore. Um also I think Danielle's last name is pronounced Savory. I I looked it up earlier and I so Danielle Savory. Sorry for the mispronunciation. Oh what God. are your thoughts? I love your prediction. I totally <laughs> think that that's true. I totally think that Pruitt slept with his wife's sister and then felt guilty and that's why he shunned her. So I'm totally, totally there for for it. I'm even going to go and say that Andy's mom is not the mom that she knew. Andy's mom is the standard character who is the sister of her mom. And that's why he was hiding her from the family, wasn't giving her the cards all these years, and like cut that whole thing off because he didn't want to be exposed. I totally mm -hmm. love your prediction. I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, <laughs> my prediction uh, for next week. I think that Dean is going to make a move on Vic and it's going to come out of nowhere. And I think that Vic is not going to respond very well and it's going to hinder their living situation. Um, I also think that there's going to be a fallout from Jack sleeping with Maya with Dean, like with Dean. The fallout will be with Dean because we know that Dean just forgave, forgave him for sleeping with Cooper's wife and now he's sleeping with one of all of their best friends. And I think that Dean is not going to take likely to that. Mm, we, we might get another uh, showing of the gun show. Right. Oh, I about <laughs> it. I about it. Um, and we do know that the funeral is coming up. So I think that we're in for a really hard episode next week. And is next week the season finale? It is, unfortunately. Also, speaking of season finale, the reason it was 15-15 is because this is season, in military time, 15-15 is 3-15. So season three, episode 15 is what, what, what we found out in the comments. So thank you. Oh my you. God, I, you know what? I love the live chat. I knew it meant something. I didn't know what it was. I love you guys. I knew, because everything means something in Shondaland. Yes. I appreciate you guys telling us that. Um, we're out of time, unfortunately. Next week, same time, same place, guys, for the season finale of Station 19. I cannot wait. Don't know what's going to happen. Know that we're, are we renewed for season four already? Yes. We're renewed, so we will be back next season, but we will be back here next week. And in the meantime, if you want to hit us up on social media, you can find me specifically all across social media at Linda So Gurley and Sahai. They can find me at Say Hi Sahai. And thank you for that 1515 information, uh, Emily Sueño. Thank you. Emily, you're the best. <laughs> I love it. Because I, I would have rocked my vein all day. I was like, I don't mean something, but I don't know what it means. 
and you know I'm terrible at military time I, I've had that whole conversation a bunch of times but side note um guys I can't wait for next week if you guys have any predictions what you guys think you is going to happen next week let us know in the YouTube comments and we will discuss until next time bye for now bye guys our founder, Kevin Undergaro, and me, Maria Menunos, would like to thank you for tuning in to AfterBuzz TV. Remember, we're not just the first, we're the biggest in the world, and we're the only destination for all your favorite TV shows. Whatever you crave, we've got it. So go to AfterBuzzTV.com and check out our lineup. Buzz you later. <laughs> the views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.